All right, let's see. We are in the home stretch. And again, you can interpret that good, bad, or ugly, however you would prefer. But we have just three more Sundays after today in Job. <laughs> and you will have survived it, and you never thought we'd make it. Now, this is Job's final speech. Now, not Job's final words. He gets to talk uh, two more times, if I'm not mistaken. But this is his final, last, long soliloquy. So he, uh, he earns it today. Since it's the last chance we're going to give him to speak uninterrupted, he's going to go all out. Now, as a reminder, Job has been struck by God, accused by his friends, condemned to judgment by himself and his friends, and throughout all of this, he has been carried forward by God. <laughs> goes to show you where your trust should be and why it should not be in the things and people and places of this world. Now, the reason why we split this section off from Job's response to Bildad last week is because this is a sweeping rundown of how Job sees everything. How he sees himself, how he sees God, how he even sees the world around him. And it's actually quite helpful and useful. It's also things that we should have probably talked about 25 chapters ago if his friends have been worth anything. I mean, when someone is struggling, their understanding of who God is might be one of the first things you want to draw out, don't you think? Their understanding of who they think they are is one of the things you might want to talk about, right? The way they see the world and what they think the purpose of the world is might be something you want to have a discussion about. This is, again, why I challenged you throughout all of this. How would you respond to Job, and where should the conversation have gone? Because I got news for you. A human being living life, ups and downs, struggling, trying to figure out how to live in this world in light of the evils of this place and the work of God. That's not, that never happens, right? That's, that doesn't describe, you know, everyone, whether they like it or not. This is why this understanding matters and why this book is still in your Bible. And oh, by the way, no, I have no idea. I'm going to blame humidity. I turned the screens on, they worked beautifully, and then they turned off, and then they came back on, and now they're doing this. So we're just going to see how long they last. I even went upstairs to check the connection, so I'm assuming now that narrows the problem down to somewhere between here and there. So I'm, that's why I'm betting humidity, because they run it that way. Isn't that fun? So anyway, we're stuck with it. So just know I'm going to point at the screen at least once today, and there's not going to be anything there. <laughs> So, yeah, well, no, because I did that last week, and then I finally went, fine, I'll point at this one, and then when I pointed at that one, that one was blank, so. It's an evil communist plot to make me insane, that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> I have decided. So, all right, so let's dive in and start with chapter 27, and warning, um, we're not going to read all of this because in a lot of this, Job is going for a chapter at a time. He's going for 15, 20 verses at a time in one idea. So we will read a lot of this, but not all of it. You've been warned. So let's dive in. Then Job continued his discourse and said, As God lives, who has taken away my right, and the Almighty who has embittered my soul, for as long as life is in me and the breath of God is in my nostrils, my lips certainly will not speak unjustly, nor nor will my tongue mutter deceit. <laughs> okay, this is comic to me. Job is swearing his loyalty to a God who he thinks has cursed him. D does that even make sense? No, see, I would agree. I mean, the Almighty who has embittered my soul, 
the God who has taken away my right, (laughs) this is the guy who I will be allegiant to and whose precepts and commandments I will follow. This is perfect. This, those, see, told you. See, (laughs) I give up. See, (laughs) that's the only one that doesn't blink is the one I look at. So, uh, that didn't take long. They're out to get me, I'm telling you. See, it's not, it's not paranoia if they really are out to get you. <sighs> this is a perfect summary of Job, though. Not, not the book, the man. Bitter, angry, feeling like God hates him, and yet, and yet, he just can't pull himself away. He can't deny God. Now, this is why understanding this is so important. This is why that John 10 description of the work of Jesus as the good shepherd is so vital. So, God holds his people, and who will pry them out of his hand? No one. Christian, if it was dependent upon you, if your salvation was dependent upon you, you would have let go 27 times this morning. Okay? Not this year, this morning. You'd have been like, oh, I wasn't paying attention. I don't, he was right there. I mean, because you've never done that with your keys. <laughs> it's like, I know, I, oh, no, I didn't put them right there. What did I put up? No. Your salvation is not dependent upon you holding on to God. It's dependent upon God holding on to you. Understanding where you start helps you understand how you progress and how you are supposed to finish. Excuse me. That is why this is perfect. Because Job wants to let go, and he can't. He wants to be angry. He wants to be bitter. He wants to hate God, and he can't because he knows who his Redeemer is. He knows what God has done, and God has not let go of him. This is the power for the commands of Scripture. Always remember that. So something like Ephesians 5. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. This is why you have to understand who you are and why you are this way. If you got yourself in, guess what you're going to do? You're going to get yourself out. If you pretended long enough to where somebody bought in, you're eventually going to slip up and the real you is going to come flying out of you. But if Christ has brought you in, if it is his work that has covered your sin, if it is God's accomplishment that has strengthened you, if it is his spirit that is pushing, pulling, and carrying you forward, how are you getting out of there? You're not. Now here's the best part. You won't want to. You won't want to. Because you know the truth, and the truth has made you free. You are dwelling in the light. Do you know what happens when you've lived your whole life in darkness? And suddenly someone turns the light on, and it's like, <gasps> what happens if they turn the light back off? What are you going to say? Turn it back on! Turn it, turn it back on! Turn it. <laughs> why do you think Satan disguises himself as an angel of light? See, this is the thing that we mess up. This is why being wary and cautious in the world is so important. The devil doesn't show up in a red unitard with horns on his head and a pitchfork, okay? It'd be much easier if he did. This is, was it last week or week before last? My life runs together. 
The world doesn't come to you and say, hey, hey, we got a plan. You ready? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to destroy the family. We're going to destroy your understanding of God. We're going to corrupt your heart and mind, and we're going to lead you to hell. Sound like a good plan? Come on, let's go. It'll be fun. Come on. Everybody's doing it. Why why don't they do that? Because you would go, that's stupid, and I don't want to do that. I'm not doing the dumb things. I don't do them. I'm above that. No, instead they go, look, you want to be nice. You want to be kind. Don't you want to be loving? Don't you want to affirm people? Don't you want to make them feel better? Don't you want the world to think you're a good person? And you go, yeah, yeah. But wait a minute, how do I do that? Don't worry about that part. We'll get to that later. Let's just get you walking down the road. See, they didn't turn the light off. They just covered this other room with a shade so that it's not quite so bad. You're still looking around going, I can still see. I know what's going on. It's not like somebody turned the lights off. And it's not until you adjust a little more and then you adjust a little more. And all of a sudden you are in the dark, but you think you are aware. See what happens? This is, this is that, that pull, that gentle little pull. I used to have this, um, whenever we would go on vacation, haven't done this in years, with um, Cameron's parents. My father-in-law has this um, ski boat. And you'd stick it on an anchor. Well, his idea of an anchor was a tractor weight that they put on the front of a tractor. It's a 100-pound weight, and he attaches it to a rope and drops it. And for the most part, the boat doesn't move. <laughs> for the most part. You get a little windstorm, and the waves pick up. And what ended up happening one year was the waves were actually high enough on this little lake that the boat was picked up, and the anchor came off the bottom. So then the wave would land, and the boat would land, and then it would move along. So my father-in-law's in his 60s. Cameron's brother is like 15, 16. So guess whose job it is to go pull the anchor and drag the boat back out? This guy. It's a good example of what the world looks like because I grab this nice big ski boat and I grab it by the rope and I start walking and it's like, and I'm doing this and what's the boat doing? I'm working as hard as I can. I'm pulling in, you know, the neck deep water because I'm all five, six and, you know, dragging it back out and what's the boat doing? And for all my hard work, the boat went 10 feet. That's what the world does to you, though. It pulls and it drags and it's everything that you can do to not go anywhere. And the minute you stop paying attention is the minute you just... Because it's constant. It's always moving. It's always pulling. It's always driving. This is why you have to remember who you are and why you are. Because when you remember what you are working toward, who you are working for, you are able to see the world clearly. You are able to evaluate rightly, not based on what they think, but based on what he has commanded. You see the schemes and the the connivings of the world for what they truly are because you are looking at the right thing. That's part of Job's problem. Every complaint of Job has started with who? Me. What have I lost? What has been taken? What was good? I did everything right. I don't care because at the end of the day, this is not about you. This is about your service to God, which makes it about who God is and what he has done. That's why, again, when Job screams out things like, but I know that my Redeemer lives and at the end I will see him. The friend should have been like, you know, evil people don't make those declarations. We might want to try to figure out what's going on here. But they don't because who do they care about? I'm right. How do I know that I'm right? Because I have spoken. 
duh. (laughs) And if I said it, it must be brilliant and right. Therefore, when you disagree with me, you by definition are wrong. Therefore, how dare you argue with me? Not about me, not about you, it's about God. How many times have I told you? Do you want my ideas? No. You want God's ideas. The minute we're no longer standing on scripture is the minute we should run screaming from the room after doing what? Throwing things, exactly. So always make sure we cover that. Always make sure. That's why I don't leave the hymnals under your chairs. <laughs> there you go. I like my chances. I was good at dodgeball when I was a kid. So I, I like my chances. So let's continue. Far be it from me that I should declare you right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. I hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. My heart does not reproach any of my days. Now, let's have some fun. Job will not agree with them that he is unrighteous. You ready for the fun question? Should he? Should he? I hear a no. Do I hear a yes? <laughs> you, you know, see, regardless of what side of the fence you fall on, what question should be asked next? Why? I, I agree with you. Job should not put away his righteousness. You know why? It's not his. There's a man from the land of us whose name was Job, and he was blameless and upright in all things. Because he's such an awesome guy, right? No, the minute something bad happened to him, what did he do? start getting bitter and angry and upset. Job has righteousness because Job has God. He has God's redemption, God's salvation, God's righteousness, not his own. Christian, you are in the same boat. So here's the fun question. Is it still there? Yes. Yes, it is, because God has redeemed. God has changed him. God is carrying him along. Where would that go, by the way? God would be like, you know what? We saved that one, and we were cleaning them up, and we were doing a pretty good job. But, you know, I, I changed my mind. I don't like that guy anymore. <laughs> does that, who does that sound like? You or God? Yeah, that sounds a lot like me and you. That sounds nothing like the one who is not like a man who does not change his mind, whose ways are higher, who judges the heart, all of these things. This is, again, why the teaching of Scripture is what it is. It's a building on the brokenness of humanity. You have to think of humanity understanding scripture like children listening to their parents. Because <laughs> parents have never repeated themselves ever in human history. Not once, right? Maybe I should say this, parents or spouses. Because <laughs> I'm sure there's some argument in your house that you have had more than once. <laughs> don't, 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 don't throw the spouse under the bus. That's, that's how you end up looking like the side of Vern's head, you know? <laughs> that, yeah. By the way, just to pick on him, Vern just had a, a mole-type thing removed to get it checked out. My first thought when I saw him was like, so, so she, she whacked you with a high heel. The best part was the response. The answer was? No, because that would have been, been bigger, so this is like more stab-like. The best part was the response was, no, not yet. Because <laughs> we all know, we all know what? It's coming. <laughs> well, and, not, and that has nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with Vern. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's half the fun of life. No, that's what we would do. That's not what God does. He is the one who changes the heart, changes the mind, and carries the sinner forward because, not because the sinner is good, 
but because God is good. Not because we are perfect, but because he is perfect and he is carrying us to a final day. So Job's going to continue. May my enemy be as the wicked and my opponent as the unjust. For what is the hope of the godless when he is cut off, when God requires his life? Now I'm going to pause right there. We'll fast forward in a minute. Uh, For the next five verses, Job basically exclaims his trust in the judgment of God, which is Again, funny, because what does Job think he's under? He thinks he's under judgment, and yet I know that God will judge sin. Well, okay, time out. Let's, let's have this side of your mouth deal with the stuff that's coming out of this side of your mouth. So if God judges sin, and you think you're being judged of God, then let's, what do you, let's put these ideas together and see if we can come up with something that makes sense. No, we're not doing that, which is, again, how Job sees himself how Job sees the world, and how Job sees God. He rightly sees God judging sin. I mean, the rest of Scripture would agree with you. Um, Ecclesiastes, the conclusion when all has been heard is this, fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. But we said, if you want the way this conversation with Job and his friends should have gone, read Ecclesiastes. It comes to all the same understandings of life and humanity but it actually gets the right answer without God having to yell at anybody. And and I'm only mostly kidding about that when we get to a couple chapters from now. That's Old Testament. New Testament gives you the same understanding, things like Hebrews 4. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, Job's baseline is not that he understands the work of God wrong. It's not even that he understands the world wrong. This was a couple of arguments back. You can go read them. It'll do you good. The understanding when Job was like, I look at the world and I see bad people prospering and I see good people not prospering. And you and I went, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, so he understands the world. But God judges sin in the end and God redeems his people in the end. And you and I went, "Uh uh-huh. So he sees God rightly. Job's problem is he sees himself wrongly. I'm righteous. I am good. I have offered the sacrifices. I have done everything right, and you did this to me. Notice, though, he never calls God unjust because he understands God rightly. His problem is in how he sees himself. Once again, why do you think I tell you all the time to have that conversation with that person you keep seeing in the mirror? You know the one that's going to look older tomorrow than they look today? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. You might want to slide over before the lightning strike comes down. (laughs) This is why I tell you to have that honest conversation, because the one you're going to lie to yourself about is not the world out there, and it's not the God who is in heaven. The one you're going to lie to yourself about is you. How you see you, what you've you've never had an argument with somebody where you've gone home and said, I was right, and I don't take back anything that I've said, and then you sleep on it, wake up in the morning and go, now how do I actually apologize for this? Yeah, because you've never, this is one of those rules for social media, you've never sent off an email, and after you've clicked send, gone, I can't get that one back, because when did you type it? I was mad now, and I typed it now before the ideas went out of my head. And then as soon as you said sin, and your blood pressure went down about three points, you went, oh my goodness. Oh, I'm an idiot. I mean, because you've never done that with your family. 
You've never done that with your friends. You've never done that with anybody. This is, again, you will lie about you more than anything. Christian, this is where your work lies, is in seeing you not how you want to see you, but seeing you how you are in the sight of God and understanding that I am broken and I am in need and it is God who puts me together. It is the mercies of Christ. It is his righteousness and his accomplishment that carries me forward. It is his redemption that saves me. It is his good works that bring me clean before the Father, not mine. And therefore, I trust in that provision. And I walk in a manner that is worthy of this, not because of my innate goodness, but because he has not forgotten me and he is carrying me forward. And that's why I said be encouraged by Job, because sometimes this is what it looks like. Sometimes it looks like broken humanity, just in love with itself and God going, nope, come on, here we go. Come on, you can stand up and walk in. Okay, fine, let's go, keep going, come on. <clears throat> because sometimes it is just God kicking you down the path. I've joked with you before about the right hand of fellowship and the left foot of fellowship on some kind of <laughs> Keep moving. Because sometimes you need this. It is for your good. It is because God has not forgotten nor forsaken you. So, let's, um, Sally, let's skip to 13. This is the portion of a wicked man from God and the inheritance which tyrants receive from the Almighty. Though his sons are many, they are destined for the sword, and his descendants will not be satisfied with bread. His survivors will be buried because of the plague, and their widows will not be able to weep. So we'll pause right there. Because Job's going to basically go through the end of the chapter, exclaiming his trust in what? Well, if God is going to judge sin, and we know that that's coming, and we know that there are people who love and relish and practice their sin, well, what's going to be their future? He trusts that God will end evil. If you trust that God will judge sin, then you must trust that God will undo the evil of the world. Now, this is partially a proof of faith in Job. This is good news. And again, how much good news do we celebrate? All of it. Even if it's we made a step, go team. We celebrate that little bit. Why? Why is this a proof? Because it's an understanding of who is pushing and who is carrying Job along. Things like Hebrews 10. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve? I'm sorry, he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he is sacrificed. If I could speak English, by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. The Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. See, the reason why I call this a proof. This is one of the things you can rejoice about in your life, Christian, is you look at the world and go, this is broken. That's good news. That's, that's good news that you can see it and go, this is not what it's supposed to look like because you recognize what? That there's a higher standard and a higher authority and that's something that there's a, there's a way that it is supposed to look. This is a trust in God to carry forward. This is a trust in God's work. Now, the difficult part comes in when you put that idea together with the idea that, now, what do I do about the world around me? Because, I mean, you just love when the world around you is broken, don't you? Isn't that just the best thing? <laughs> you wake up and everybody's like, yay, darkness is engulfing me. Go team. <laughs> Says no one ever. 
you walk faithfully. This was the lesson that we kept yanking out, kicking and screaming sometimes from the book of Revelation when we went through it on Wednesdays. Judgment is coming upon sin. Job understands. See, he told you. It's, it, it's probably been there the whole time until that exact moment. <laughs> Job trusts that judgment is coming. Job knows that evil will be undone. The difficult problem for Job is that he's looked at that and said, but I was good. Why did any of this happen to me? Well, Christian, you could have been good in one of the seven cities of Revelation, and all of those cities were destroyed, and they had earthquakes, and they had floods, and they had barbarian raiders, and they had all these other catastrophes. Christians died. Christians were lost, but not to God. They may have died in the judgment, but did they die in judgment? No. And there's a difference between those two things. That's the hope of the Christian, is that I live in a world. Look, how many people have you heard make the argument, we live in a nation under judgment? Look, I'm listening. I'm willing to, be, I'm willing to take some of, these, to some of these talking points. But Christian, does that mean I'm under judgment? Does that mean you're under judgment? But it feels like it a lot of days, doesn't it? Remember, God is able to pat his head and rub his tummy at the same time. He can walk and chew gum, or he can walk down the street and chew gum and say, my goodness, if I can get my metaphor, walk and chew gum at the same time. If I was trying to get down the street in there somewhere and it was messing me up. <laughs> if I could think and talk at the same time, we'd all be all set. But God can think and talk at the same time. There you go. <sighs> yeah, there, there you go. God can walk down the street while chewing gum, patting his head and rubbing his tummy all at the same time while thinking and talking. There you go. If that's not a mixed metaphor, I don't know what is. What's the point? It means Christian. He can judge their sin, and he can purify you. He can condemn them, and he can rescue you. You live in the world, but you are not of this world. Therefore, as you walk, you walk knowing that it is God who will carry you home, that you do not have the same fate. Now, again, that doesn't mean your world is going to look a lot different from their world, but it does mean that your eternity will. Where are your eyes, Christian? Where is your hope? What are you living for? Live for this place. Start looking like this. I got both of them that time. Ha ha. I got you before you changed. <laughs> oh, he's talking to the television. That's a, not a good sign. <laughs> All right, Sally, we are skipping to chapter 28. So 28.1. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place where they refine gold. Iron is taken from the dust and copper is smelted from rock. Man puts an end to darkness, and to the farthest limit he searches out, the rock in gloom and deep shadow. He sinks a shaft far from habitation, forgotten by the foot. They hang and swing to and fro, far from men. The earth from it comes food, and underneath it, tur- underneath it is turned up as fire. All right, we're going to pause right there. He's going to go all the way through 11. Stuff comes from the earth that people can use. There is provision. You get this concept. We grow food. We can take care of animals. We can harvest minerals from the ground. We can do all of these things. Why? Why? Think about this. See, one of my, one of my uh, general theories on life is the first person to make and drink coffee probably did a lot of other weird things too. If you've ever seen what a coffee plant looks like and what is required to actually make coffee. And the first person that made chocolate probably ate a bunch of stuff you don't want to eat either. If you've ever seen what the cacao plants actually look like and how you get from that to chocolate. The, the guy who came up with that was probably a weird dude. But a lot of stuff, yeah, it's like, yeah, no, no, I'm not eating that. Oh, it's delicious. Sorry. 
you dig a hole and you can pull these things out of the ground that you can then use for stuff? Why is that there? To what end? Where did it come from? See? What's the answer, Christian? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 24 tells you what? The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Job is describing, and what we need to remember, is what dominion looks like in a sinful world. Now, this is where it gets fun. The dominion command was given to Adam and Eve, right? Be fruitful and multiply and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and all that good stuff. I actually said that right. Go team. I was... I knew I was going to say the fish of the air and the birds of the sea. I just knew I was. <laughs> of all the stuff, right? Now, sin comes in. Corruption, destruction, everything's no good. What are Noah's descendants told they're supposed to do? Same thing. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Why do you care about how you live in this world in light of the fall, Christian? Why should it be a good idea that you take care of the things that you have? I mean, everything's corrupt and falling apart anyway, right? I mean, you ever seen anything fall apart than, faster than an empty house? I mean, turn the heat and the air off on a house and just leave it alone for a year. You know what you'll come back to? <laughs> there will be things growing in there you didn't know that came in those colors. <laughs> be like, ooh, ooh. Is it supposed to be that color of purple? And I'm not even kidding. I've seen this. It's all falling apart. Why do we care? Romans chapter 8. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's instructive. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption, into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. God's not just redeeming some of it. God's redeeming all of it. We're not starting over. We're cleansing. When you were saved, did we smush you down to nothing and then pull you back up? They're like, oh, look, it's a new one. Go team. No, we're doing what? We're working day by day. God doesn't come down and be like, all right, that is a messed up nose. That is a problem of the fall, so let's take that nose off here. Here's your saved nose. Good job. Sorry, it smells better. That may not be a good thing. <laughs> Sorry, depends on who you live with. Hey, you know. <laughs> Some of you that have kids are like, yes, yes. <laughs> there are smells you forget as a parent, and then someone brings like a little one around, and you're like, oh, I remember that. Oh, and now I have PTSD. Hold on, I need a minute. <laughs> it's horrifying. And there are some things you'll never forget. It just is what it is. I'm, I'm convinced of that. But that's not how you have been done. What's going on? Sanctification, pruning working from the inside out. Christian, this is what you do in the creation. When you exercise dominion and stewardship, you are actually operating in sanctification in a broken world. You are bringing a little piece of what the kingdom looks like into your place. This is good for you, and it's work. Always remember, there was work before sin. Work is not evil. Sin has made work evil. Okay, does that make sense? Does that, does that set in the right direction? It is sin that corrupts work, not the other way around. Adam and Eve were supposed to tend and care and manage. They were supposed to do stuff. And as you do stuff unto the glory of God, you are actually demonstrating a hope. 
I maintain this. Why? Because there's coming a day when I don't have to worry about everything falling apart anymore. I can keep this organized because it is a picture of the world that God will bring when sin is undone. I can manage my life and my family and the things around me because it's a picture of the peace and rest that I will have in God. This is what we mean when we say all things unto the glory of God. All things with an eye to the kingdom that is to come. It's a recognition that as we walk in a sinful world, we walk knowing that redemption will be done because Christ has declared that it is finished. That is the hope that we carry day in and day out. Minute in, minute out. Decision in and decision out. As you think through, you think through understanding that it is an eternal, good, restful, peaceful, redeemed kingdom that is to come. How do I get there, O Lord? I get there by bringing all things in my life into submission to his goodness and his mercy. Therefore, I manage. Therefore, I steward. Therefore, I organize so that I do not live in the chaos of the world, but I live in the peace that Christ has brought. This is why you still care. This is why how you live matters. Outward manifestations of inward realities. That's what you're going for each and every day. In other words, who are you and why are you? So, Selly, verse 12 of 28. We're going to stick in this chapter. Where can wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. All right, time out, because he's going to go on for 10 more verses. Christian, this is easy. Where is wisdom found? It's in God. This is the only answer that can be. Now, by the way, start trying to understand the world, and you have hit on immediately part of the longing of humanity. How does this, I mean, seriously. Outside of Christianity, isn't this the number one question? Why am I here? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. What are we doing? You know, George Carlin told you it was plastic. That's why you were here. I think he was wrong on that one. <laughs> yeah, that was his answer. Yeah, there you go. It was a joke. Don't worry about it. <laughs> this matters. Why are you here? What are you doing? Christian, you know the answer. Why don't they? You know who they are, those that are not us. There's the Christian and the pagan. Why do we know and they don't know? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and you know that, and because they don't. Now what? Now what? See, this is why, okay, ooh, ooh, who wants to be mad at me today? Ooh, I do, I do, I do, I'm sorry. <laughs> TV's already mad at me. This is why I laugh whenever they tell you, no, you need to keep your religion out of politics. Good luck with that. And I'm serious. Good luck with that. Because if who you are in Christ is supposed to be manifested in how you live your life, how you organize your home, how you deal with things, then how you look at, how are you going to get to a voting booth and go, see, if you do this, you can't see, so I got I to block off God. Is that what this is supposed to look like? No, 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 I don't take any, I'm not supposed to take righteousness into account. I'm not supposed to take truth into account. I'm not supposed to take the way that this world is supposed to operate into account. See, the problem is not that Christians have brought religion into politics. The problem is that we have done it wrongly. We have brought them in and made them equal partners. They are not. The problem is not that I'm trying to bring my religion into politics. The problem is you're trying to bring your politics into my religion. <laughs> See, 
there's a thing that, li that lies at the top of the scale and the thing that lies at the bottom of the scale. And when you get those things mix mixed up, you know what starts happening? <laughs> Nothing good at all. I like train wreck as an analogy because there's no one, never been anyone who's ever looked at a train wreck and gone, that was peaceful and calm. That could have, nobody's ever looked at a train derailing and, you know, 7,500 cars on the side and gone, well, that could have been a lot worse. <laughs> like you've backed into the garage and been like, I had a wreck with the car, but that could have been a whole lot worse. Nobody's ever looked at a train wreck and been like, yeah, yeah that, that was a good one. <laughs> That's why I like that as an example, because immediately when someone says train wreck, you start picturing nothing good. That's what happens in life when you get your things out of whack, when you get your priorities unbalanced and you say, no, 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 this thing should be on equal footing with my understanding of God, or this thing should be informing my understanding of God. It can't. How, do you, how am I supposed to forsake the righteousness that I am to walk in when I make decisions that affect other people? How am I supposed to do that? I can't. This is supposed to inform everything about who I am and what I do. Now, once again, when that comes to your voting booth, remember terms and conditions may apply. Your mileage may vary. Understand this in light of what? How you understand God. There's, there's no dictate. And by the way, I have actually been in a church where we, we talked about this in um, 2012. I was having a, a, there was a ladies' Bible study on Saturday morning. And at the end of it, because it was late October, and they started getting onto election talk in 2012. That was, um, who was it? That was Romney Obama. And they started asking me questions. Well, it is what it is. They started asking me questions, and I, I, you know, I was given a couple answers here. And then they finally went, finally one of the women just goes, in the past, pastors have just told us who we're supposed to vote for. <laughs> and I'm like, that's terrible. That's terrible, because I don't have a Bible verse that tells me what one you're supposed to vote for. And what's the rule? If I don't have a Bible verse... Yeah, yeah, chuck and run. Ooh, and that's, that's a teacher right there. Yeah, instead of duck and cover like for the fire drill, it's chuck and run. <laughs> Book flying across the t-shirt the, the there. Why, though? Because as I flat out told them, I said, look, so you've got two non-Christians. Don't try to give me the Mormon argument. It's not true. <laughs> you've got two non-Christians, which means you don't have someone that shares your faith values. Therefore, who do you think is going to be best in the job? Have fun. You will come to different conclusions. You have different mileage that you will deal with that. At the end of the day, I'm not going to call you evil because of those moral calculations because they're hard to make. They're difficult. But Christian, they're necessary. And they should be done in how? In light of who God is and of what you expect and how you think this world will be managed into eternity. They should be done with a hope that Wrong things are set right and that the world is going to operate best when it operates wisely with a fear of God and an understanding of who he is and what he has done. Which, by the way, is why we can continue with things like um, verse uh, 23, Sally, 23. God understands its way. He's talking about wisdom. And he knows its place, for he looks to the ends of the earth and he sees everything under the heavens. This is why this becomes important. Christian. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and fools despise knowledge and understanding, right? Why is it important that you have wisdom? To what end? What is the purpose of your wisdom in a sinful world? Because I actually think I have a Bible verse for that. It's Titus chapter 1. For this reason I left you in Crete 
that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. All right, that's qualifications for an elder. They're almost verbatim from what happens in 1 Timothy holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. In other words, you're supposed to have godly wisdom in the world so that you can look at the world going, did God really say and say, yes! Yes, he did. Now stop talking. (laughs) Yes! Yes, he did. Now stop arguing. Yes! Yes, he did, and this is what he has proclaimed, and this is how it should operate. Now, are they going to listen to you? I don't know. I don't know. But hear me out on this. Have you got a better plan than let's take the wisdom of God, the instructions for how this world is supposed to work, and let's apply them to our lives and see if it works out well? (laughs) It's so crazy that it just might work. This is why you cannot leave Christianity at home in any avenue of your life, because it is meant to influence and affect every avenue of your life. It influences how you talk to your neighbors. It influences how you deal with strangers. It influences how everything is seen, because it is how you work in and serve God in this place. In other words, your wisdom is meant for instruction, encouragement, and refutation. You can't go, well, that's a terrible idea, Bob, and I don't want to bring a Bible verse into it. Mm, Bring a Bible verse into it. Why is it a terrible idea, Bob? Because these are the precepts of God that it is going against. And these are the things of the conscience that you are rejecting and searing, that you are destroying in life. This is why your wisdom matters. It's how you live and instruct. So, with that said, 29. We're (laughs) fast-forwarding. And you know what? Readers digest, because chapter 29 is... Oh, okay. This is depressing. Job took up his discourse and said, Oh, that I were in months gone by, as in the days when God watched over me. Okay, one, you are, because God has not stopped watching over you. Two, for the next 23 verses, I got to do math, sorry. For the next 23 verses, Job is going to complain about the life that he had. What was, what was he versus what is he? What did he have? What has he lost? Now, should he? And you know what I'm going to ask next when when you come up with an answer, so be prepared. (laughs) Yeah, no. So you say, no, he shouldn't, but why? Why not? Why or why not? I would go with, I would go with no as well. And do you know why I would go with no? Romans 8. And all these things, by the way, what are these things of Romans 8? It's the people being put to death and being counted as sheep unto slaughter because of God's testimony. In all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. (sighs) Agreed. No, he shouldn't be longing for the world that was because, again, Christian, you're being pruned. You're being molded. You're being shaped and formed by a God who loves you and has given himself 
for you. That's why Job can say that he knows his Redeemer lives and that he will take his stand and that God will judge sin and he will condemn evil and he will shepherd his people because Job knows the truth and the truth has made him free. He doesn't know who he is. And that's why he longs because this stinks. And I don't like it when life stinks. And you know what? I don't blame him because I don't like it when life stinks either. But you don't get to choose the world. And you don't get to choose what it looks like on the outside. You do get to choose who you live for and for what kingdom you are progressing. That's what you get to choose in this world and how you live in light of who God is and what he has done. Those are the decisions that you're making day by day. Remembering that it is God of Isaiah 45, that I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God and I will gird you though you have not known me. That men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. See, we look at the bad thing and go, I don't know what happened, but I know God didn't do this. See, I actually agree with Job, where Job looked at all the difficulties, difficulties of his life and said what? Ask the critters, ask the sun and the moon and the stars and everything around me. You know what they're all going to tell you? God did this. Because if God didn't do this, then what does that say about him? And what does that say about this world? See, this is by, this has always been my argument about that earthquake or that tornado or that hurricane. Well, God didn't send this. Who did? Because that's a horrifying thought. That there's someone running around with the power of God and he doesn't like us? That's terrifying. But you go, yeah, God has allowed sin to have its run. Why? Because what did we want? What did we crave? What did we long for? What are we learning? Yes, it is the Lord who does all these things, creating light and forming darkness, causing well-being and causing calamity. Yes, he has done these things because he is the omnipotent sovereign God of all creation. He has not fallen off of his throne and been like, oh man, I tripped. What happened? Did he miss anything? But he is at work, and he is strengthening, and he is pruning, and he is refining, and he is purifying his people, and he is judging sin, and he is creating a kingdom. I mean, he's doing all of these things. He's doing all of these things at the same time. See, look at this talent right there. <laughs> you know what? My, I could actually get the words out. Maybe I should do that more often. <laughs> that wouldn't be distracting at all, would it? This is why, again... The, the comfort to Job should have been what it should have been and why the comfort they tried to give was so useless is nobody bothered to look at Job and go, okay, you're a good guy. You have trusted in God and this crumminess has happened to you and we know that he's done this. So what are we going to do? What are we going to learn? How are we going to live in light of who God is and what's going on here? What testimony are we going to lay down? What trail are we going to blaze so that the generations behind us will go, that's how you live when the world is miserable. That's how you honor God no matter what befalls you. That's what it looks like to trust him and not live for this world. How are we going to get there, Job? What are we going to do? See, wouldn't, we'd have been over 24 chapters ago, and this book would have been like Obadiah. It would have been like two pages in your Bible, and it would have been encouraging and uplifting. It would have been read on Caleb every other Tuesday because they are both positive and encouraging, and your brains all just went, Caleb. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> And we didn't do any of that. Why? Because everybody was too busy navel-gazing. Too busy looking at themselves and going, I don't know what we're doing. Christian, can't live like that. Not even a little bit. 
understand that it is God who is at work and it is his kingdom for which you are living and working. So, chapter 30. We're, we're going ahead because we can only handle so much depression. <laughs> now, those younger than I mock me, whose fathers I disdained to put with the dogs of my flock. Indeed, what good was the, stre- was the strength of their hands to me? Vigor had perished from them. From want and famine they are gaunt, who gnaw in the dry ground by night in waste and desolation. All right. Um, yeah, Job is lowly when he used to be exalted in this world. Once again, is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? Because I would argue once again, no. Now again, why or why not? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. That's part of your reminder. Christian, when things are good, who do you like to give credit to? Uh-huh. When things are bad, who do you like to blame? <laughs> somebody it's not me it's that woman you gave me i mean it's the oldest argument right and we and we have been blame shifting ever since i'm serious ever since what was eve's argument did eve even take responsibility well the serpent deceived me I mean, just think about that one. Imagine, imagine like, you know, you fell for one of those telemarketer scams. Be like, we're here to call you about your car's extended warranty. And you were like, oh, yes. I would like the extended warranty on my car with 247,000 miles. And, and yes, and, and I'll be glad to give you my bank account. Why is it empty? Who would have thunk it? I'm always, like, those, they have to work on somebody if they keep doing it, right? It's got to work on someone. Some, somewhere someone sent money to that Nigerian prince. Do you remember those emails? I still get them on occasion. <laughs> Somewhere, somebody had to do it because they kept sending them out. What does the person immediately do? Well, it's not my fault. They lied to me. What did you think was going to happen? So the Nigerian prince needed money from you? That was how this works? No. He told you to do the thing opposite of what God told you and you thought that was a good idea? No, that's a who fault. That's a you fault. Now, we're going to deal with that deception, but that's still a you problem. This is humanity. It's not my fault that something went wrong. It's got to be something else, you know. Mars was out of alignment or something like that, you know. The only, if it was a full moon on, like, a random Thursday, this never would have happened. Rather than go, no, sinner's sin. Sin corrupts, and I have to deal with the fallout day in and day out. Blessed be the Lord who has redeemed me and loved me and carried me forward and has still redeemed me and loved me in the midst of my stupidity, in the midst of my falling, in the midst of my failing, and he has carried me forward and he has not forgotten and he will not me. Thanks be to God because otherwise I'm doomed. See, that's an understanding that actually brings you somewhere. That's an understanding that actually lifts you up and carries you along. I don't care where I am. I care where I'm going. And where I'm going is because of the grace and mercy of God and the accomplishment that he has brought in the kingdom that he is building. That's where my focus needs to be. Yes, this is terrible. This is miserable right now. But there is coming a day when this will be undone and sin will be cast off and my rest and peace will be found because God is there. So chapter 31 is where we'll finish up. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? 
And what is the portion of God from above or the heritage of the Almighty from on high? Is it not calamity to the unjust and disaster to those who work iniquity? Does he not see my ways and number all my steps? If I have walked with falsehood and my foot has hastened after deceit, let him weigh me with accurate scales and let God know my integrity. If my step has turned from the way or my heart follows my eyes, or if any spot has stuck to my hands, let me sow and another eat and let my crops be uprooted. Um, I'm going to help you out. Job's going to go for the rest of the chapter, almost. Another 30 some odd verses right here, basically saying, I was good. And if I wasn't good, tell me, but bring me before God and plead my case and I will be not guilty. What's the problem with that tact? Because I actually think Jesus helps us refute that. Luke 13. Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this fate? So in other words, Pilate being you know, a royal jerk, dishonored them and tried to corrupt the sacrifice by doing some lovely things. I, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Imagine somebody standing out in the field, middle of nowhere, nothing going on, and a satellite falls on them and kills them. What are the odds? Like, seriously, what are the odds? What's your first thought? Man, what'd that guy do wrong? Like, God was just like, I'm getting that dude right there. He must have been some kind of awful, right? Maybe. Maybe not. Walk along every day while they're building something. How many times has it fallen over on you? Well, one day it did and killed 18 people in Jerusalem. Did it fall on them and hit them and not hit this person because that was the really bad one and this was the really good one? No. What's Jesus' point? You live in a messed up, broken world. You live in a world where sin has corrupted and bad things happen. What do you do, Christian? You repent of your sins, trust that God carries you forward, and you live. So, verse 33. Have I covered my transgression like Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom? Because I feared the great multitude and the contempt of families terrified me and kept silent, it did not go out of doors. Oh, that I had one to hear me. Behold, there, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Behold, here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. And the indictment which my adversary has written, surely I would carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it to myself like a crown. I would declare to him the number of my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. If my land cries out against me and its furrows weep together, if I have eaten its fruit without money or have caused its owners to lose their lives, let briars grow instead of wheat and stinkweed instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. <laughs> Notice how he wants justice. Why does Job think it can be found? Because God will judge. And God is trusting that his Redeemer will live. Job's problem is not with God. Job's problem is with himself. Psalm 103. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgression from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. 
Job's forgotten that. I'm good. Bring me to God and I will be not guilty. How dare this evil befall me? Christian, I'm good. Bring me before God. I will be not guilty, even though this evil has befallen. There's a difference between those two statements, and not just in the way that I said them. Difference is an understanding of what I'm living for and why I will stand at the end. This is why I love the doxology of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in his, plain, in his presence blameless with great joy. Not my work, his work. Not my mercy, his mercy. Not my accomplishment in good works, his accomplishment in good works. My trust is in him that he has carried me thus far. He will carry me the rest of the way. And it may be a bumpy road. Have you met me? Might be a really bumpy road. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the lies of people. You ready? We all get more patient as we get older, don't we? <laughs> For all our wisdom and all of our understanding, the older we get, like, there are no jokes about bitter 25-year-olds, are there? Why not? Why do we have jokes about bitter old men? Because they've seen the world and they know the world and they haven't got time for your stupidity any longer. And I appreciate that. We need that. But at the same time, you need to guard your heart. Because the longer you live in this place and the longer you see the evils of this place, the, the harder it is to love the work that God is doing. The harder it is to love the people amongst whom God is working. But by keeping our eyes on the prize, keeping our eyes on the grace and mercy that God has brought, keeping our eyes off of the love of this place, then we have a fighting chance. We can, by his grace and by his mercy, be carried forward and know that there is an eternal rest, an eternal peace that is coming and is good because it is what God has promised and what he will deliver. Again, this is where the hope is supposed to be. This is where the focus lies. And by the way, spoiler, you ready? This is why, for all of the complaints, do you know how many of these objections God is going to answer when he starts speaking? None of them. He will answer none of them. Because the answer is not in the objection to the questions that Job and his friends have answered. The objection, the answer is in an understanding of where you look and why you look there. So, if you want to read ahead, you can. I'll be mad at you. <laughs> but at the same time, why are you Christian? What are you living for? What are you hoping for? Because if it's anything here, you have understood this place wrongly. If it is anything in you, you have understood yourself wrongly. We see ourselves in light of who God is, and in light of his grace and mercy, he has declared us good. Christian, trust that he will carry that forward and live a life in service to him. Let's pray.